0: Snack production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suter. In this episode, we're going to be talking about human trafficking, and uh, wow, there was a tragic face to this issue that we've all seen in the last couple of weeks, with that horrible case, Keith, over in uh, in England, in, in
1: Essex, yeah,
0: in Essex, where thirty nine bodies were found in the back of a truck and they were predominantly Asian and from Vietnam and they'd been smuggling themselves over there and then paid huge amounts of money to people plus smugglers and then subsequently died. And and uh, the details as well, you can read about the particular case, it was horrific. So we're going to talk about human trafficking and the reasons and a more broader issue of that. And Keith obviously is renowned uh, specialist in international politics, three PhDs. I mean, the man is the face of Sunrise on Channel 7. Anytime there is breaking news around the world, this guy is called up to commentate on it because his knowledge is that vast. (laughs) Thank you. Just to blow a bit of smoke, Keith. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, human trafficking it is, this is the thing, this particular example, Keith, has sort of um, highlighted the issue again, but this stuff happens all the time.
1: It does indeed. So you're right, on the 23rd of October 39 people, 8 women and 31 men were found dead in a refrigerated trailer truck, which had come in from Belgium. It was registered in Eastern Europe, although the country concerned said it's not had any connection with us uh, for a while. The driver himself was from Northern Ireland. So it's very much an international case, just coming in from Belgium, a, a vehicle registered in Eastern Europe in Bulgaria, driven by somebody from Northern Ireland. This shows the international network that we're dealing with. So the people who are involved in people smuggling. I make no comment on the driver. We have to, he'll go on trial. And the extent to which he was complicit in this or whether he just simply paid to drive a truck, Mm. you know, and he didn't know what was in the back of it. And it's interesting that entering England, it wasn't picked up by the heat-seeking system that they've got, which suggests that unfortunately they may have been dead before they left Belgium and then brought over on the vehicle. So he was actually driving corpses, But he wouldn't have known that because it was all sealed up, or at least that will be his defence when he Mm. goes on trial in in England. So it's part of this broader issue of people trafficking. The vast majority of of victims who do get trafficked are for sexual exploitation, others who are exploited for forced labour or forced marriage. So you get naive people in isolated areas like Vietnam or like China who are promised a better life somewhere else it is interesting to note that a young woman who was dying in that truck actually sent a message by telephone her mobile phone back to her relatives in an isolated part of vietnam saying i'm dying goodbye so here you've got people who are very poor but they're using modern technology Mm. for their communication and the the problem is uh, that we do have all sorts of um, international agreements But the problem is getting them honoured. René Wadlow, one of my colleagues uh, based in Geneva, has written recently about the United Nations Global Compact, or Treaty, for Safe, Orderly and Regular Migration. And... You know, that handles the migration of people from one country to another. I'm a migrant. I came from London to study for a PhD back in 1973, so I'm a migrant. You never left. And I never left. You're right. They kept on re-electing Mrs Thatcher. I decided (laughs) to stay in this country. So there there are good aspects to, to migration. The problem is the whole issue of people trafficking. In other words, moving people from one country to another, often with those people being moved for you know the wrong reasons you know they they're promised better jobs etc overseas and they then end up working in brothels or whatever in forced labor of one sort or another even growing cannabis it's very interesting that in great britain there's a 100 billion pound cannabis market and a number of illegals are involved in growing that illegal crop <laughs> so you, you don't the british don't want to run the risk of being caught cultivating an illegal crop so you employ illegals they get arrested. Well, they're illegal. That's fine. Just send them back home or whatever. So this is the, this is the complexity of the issue. And a lot of these um, uh, what are called snakeheads, in other words, the people who do the, the people trafficking, they often subcontract transport to Europe. So they're, they're, they're very well organised. So these are people who in an earlier day would have been smuggling drugs, such as opium, or guns, and now they're just smuggling people. You know, there's not much difference one to the other. So they are now just smuggling people. We have no idea how many people overall are being smuggled around the world. It will run into thousands, perhaps millions. So remember, this is not what we're talking about, what you see in the United States today. you people trying to get across the border. They're not being smuggled necessarily, although some of them may do a bit of smuggling, or, or think they can get in by being smuggled in. But generally, most of the people are asylum seekers seeking to flee central or southern America to get into the United States. Similarly, of course, we had a few years ago that massive movement of Syrian asylum seekers who moved into Germany, somewhere of the order of 800,000 to 1 million, right? So we're not talking about that. They're refugees they're as refugees, well. they yeah. they're asylum seekers, whatever. We're talking about people who are moved, from one country to another, for criminal purposes, often not carrying a passport, at least not that, that's by the way, the problem which the British police now have. They've got um, these bodies of thirty nine people. They originally said, "Oh, they must they're Asian, therefore they're Chinese, but now it turns out they're probably Vietnamese. They've got to do DNA testing to be able to identify them because there are no documents. so this is this is all part of this broader tragedy. Quite often, you know, people are told, well, if you do get into Britain and you stay there for a while, the British government will have an amnesty whereby people who are there illegally will be invited to come forward and have their immigration status regularised. In other words, they will stop being illegals. The British have not done amnesties. So people are being led Uh, to hope for something which doesn't occur. Mm. And we see it in this country as well, in this idea that people come into this country, they think, well, if we hide for a while, eventually I will be allowed to stay because there will be a government amnesty. I was once asked to look for the body of a dead Tongan.
0: Uh, That was a weird segue, but continue. Uh,
1: Yeah, (laughs) Exactly the same issue. So uh, at one point we had people coming in from Tonga into Australia and they would die in Australia, and their coffin would be flown home with the body inside, and they'd be buried in their ancestral village. But then immigration in Australia suddenly realized that in fact, some of these coffins contain bricks. right? So the person who's died in Australia, but in fact is continuing to live, it's, it's a coffin load of bricks and other weighty material that's gone back to be buried in a village in Tonga.
0: So they haven't re- but why? So because they, can... they then
1: get to stay in Australia. Okay, they're living under an assumed name. They're not going to be able to vote. They've got to be careful if they get admitted to hospital because they won't, obviously won't have papers. But that per, those people who were doing that rort would be able to stay on. And so the Immigration Department asked me uh, to confirm about the death because of my links with the Immigration Department at that time, asked me to try to track down the undertaker who had done the burial arrangements and asked me to check with the undertaker to confirm that, in fact, there was a body in the coffin. Did they see a body there? And we managed to find the the, uh, the minister who did the funeral, and he was able to say, "Yes, there was definitely a body there." Oh. But that, that's an example about what goes on here. It's a different world out there. You who live this very nice, elegant life and all the rest of you, got no idea what the real world. What the underworld of. is the yeah. underworld could be like. So yes, we managed to prove that that particular Tongan had died and was now buried back in his village. But some of the other coffins that have been flown back carried bricks and the the original person is still alive and living somewhere in Australia.
0: This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. In this episode, we are breaking down people smuggling, where it happens, where the right spots are, what the reasons are behind it. It's not just immigration. It's not just refugees, as we've just been hearing from Keith. You know, the up to one million that went to tre- the Germany or treaded across Europe to get a new life out of Syria. It's not just people like that. That's that's the above board stuff that goes on. But this is much more covert, isn't it, Keith? A bit more underworld uh, underworld to it.
1: Absolutely. And so um, it's interesting, you know, the Vietnamese government are not being very helpful in sorting this out because uh, as far as they're concerned, these are crimes that have been committed offshore, not really affecting what goes on in Vietnam. And also the people who are successfully smuggled into other countries then remit money back home. And so it's a way of making money for Vietnam or whichever the country is.
0: Do they ever draw attention to themselves being there or do they just want to go fly under the radar, get a job as a cleaner and just get cash in hand and then just stay in the country and they're they're not going to even attempt to apply for citizenship or anything?
1: And, And they've got to obviously maintain good health. They don't want to end up in the hospital system. They don't commit crimes. So from a domestic policing point of view, they're great. You know, they, they keep away from drunken brawls, et cetera, because they don't want to be picked up by the police. So they're law-abiding. They do the dirty, dangerous, unpleasant work that people in in Great Britain or where, or France, whatever, don't want to do. So there are a lot of people actually saying it's awful what goes on with the trafficking. And, of course, if you're a person who likes abusing children in brothels, you would also think it's a great idea these people are being smuggled in as well. So you've got a number of people who, in effect, are not that troubled by the people smuggling. Vietnam government is saying these people are leaving our shores, not a problem for us, and they may remit money home, which will help local economic activity. I might say in the Philippines, where quite legally, you have a huge number of women who work in the Middle East as, as maids, yes. etc. they are called the heroines of the Philippines, because they send so much money home. They're helping to keep villages in the Philippines going. That's all quite legal, but I'm just simply saying that there is this remittance of money back home is very important when you talk about foreign aid. And so these are people who are going to be remitting money back home to their villages in Vietnam or China, and that will be of local economic assistance. And, of course, you're also paying the people who did the smuggling for you, if you like. So, you know, there is a debt involved, so you've got to keep working for these people. And remember, you don't have a passport, so these people have con- complete control over you. I was recently reading a report drawn up by the Anti-Slavery Society in Great Britain, which is 160 years old. Um, I've been a member for over half a century, so I have to declare an interest. Mm-hmm. This is an organisation that I very much enjoy being associated with. So the anti slavery Society in London talks about the precarious journeys of Vietnamese children trafficked to Europe. So this is a report that came out at the beginning of the year, well before this tragedy in Essex. So the Anti-Slavery Society was already monitoring the arrival of these children.
0: So what ages are we talking
1: about here? Well, I I guess from anywhere from about age of seven or eight onwards. What? Yeah. And what is amazing is they, they travel across China and Russia and then board vehicles in Eastern Europe and end up in Britain or France or Germany for very young people. I've got to say, it should be more than seven or eight because you've got to be sexually attractive. So I guess you're probably early teens then. Yeah.
0: Oh, is this for sexual? um, For
1: sexual violence, yeah. uh, Well, sexual exploitation. Yeah, it's really awful what goes on. And the Anti-Slavery Society um, has looked at factors such as poverty, Lack of political freedom, environmental disasters, climate change—all of these—all um, pe- these are incentives to the families to assist their children to go looking for work in the Western world, where they think there is money. Remember that these are people who are often connected now by mobile phones. They can see on the internet mm. how li- how good life can be in some of these. Um, Western countries, the Anti-Slavery Society report talks about a typical journey, takes children from Vietnam to Russia by plane and then overland through Belarus, Ukraine, Poland, Czech Republic, Germany, the Netherlands and France. So they're doing more traveling than I ever did at their age. This is quite incredible. And there's also an emerging trend of transit from Vietnam to Europe via South America. So these are incredibly well-travelled young people who are being trafficked for all of this. And part of the problem is that if you are a, a young person being trafficked and uh, you realise what's going wrong for you, you're reluctant to go to the local police in France or Germany because the local police back in Vietnam are corrupt. Yeah. You don't have any confidence in them. And the people who are doing the trafficking tell you, if you try to talk to anybody about this, we will kill you.
0: And then they, of course, believe that. And they believe well, that may, may well happen, Yeah, yeah, they yeah, may well happen. So what um, is happening to these people once, once they arrive at that destination? Are they housed in brothels? Are they housed in individuals' houses to be? Oh, no,
1: not individual houses. No. So they're housed in brothels or if they're growing marijuana or whatever, they'd obviously be in farmhouses oh, under right. time control because obviously you can only grow the marijuana away from where people will see you growing the yeah. stuff. Yeah, so they'd be in isolated farmhouses.
0: And plucking plants. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. It's a different know.
1: world out there, isn't it?
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. And you know, you know, you see it through different news stories and, and I guess movies and whatnot. But then to have it confirmed that it is as sordid as you think it is. Yeah,
1: it really is awful. So in this anti slavery report, they have the story of a case study of a, a young girl, 14, right? So sexually appropriate, I guess. Only just. Um, only just, yeah. yeah. So uh, she lost her real parents. This is North Vietnam, so very poor part of the country. And it's rural, right? So if you're living in the city, like Hanoi, there is an economic revival on in Hanoi or Saigon, Ho Chi Minh City. But if you're in the rural sector, you've got very limited amount of money. So she never really got to know her parents. She was living with her grandparents. They then died. She then had to find work in restaurants, restaurants, um, and she was given food in return for her work. So this is someone who then got befriended by two women who came to the restaurant. They felt sorry for her and they said, we will help you out. So they invited her back to their house where they drugged her and she woke up when she was in China. So remember, they had moved her from North Vietnam over the border into China, right? This is tightly controlled communist society and yet you've got people trafficking going on in China. So somebody was obviously on the take as they went through customs in China. And then this um, woman begins her journey all the way across to Western Europe. So this is the anti-slavery report. It's called Precarious Journeys, Mapping Vulnerabilities of Victims of Trafficking from Vietnam to Europe. It's available for free on the anti-slavery website available in the United Kingdom, as I say. The Anti-Slavery Society, were talking about this problem months before we had this tragedy in Essex. So we were warned, it's just that we didn't pay any attention to it. And it is so sordid. You know, mm-hmm. people really don't want to put their minds to this sort of issue, but this is the real world. This is what's going on.
0: And what is the answer? There's no real solution. I mean, it's cross-country.
1: Well, it's cross-country. It means, therefore, you've got to have greater intelligence cooperation and you need to have greater policing and also, of course, greater honesty, including among customs officials, immigration officials. They're all on the take. Always insightful, Keith. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.
0: Global Truths was presented by Dr Keith Souter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener